Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legend Series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. A one-club guy, he wouldn't have it any other way. Loyal, decent, so talented too. And just Penrith, through and through. But who is John Cartwright? Mate, I'm a boy from the western suburbs of Sydney. Um, grew up in a, a family of five children, four boys and a, and a girl. Uh, mum and dad, both hard working. Um, mm. Gave everything for their kids. Uh, grew up playing rugby league uh, in the winter and, and cricket in the summer. Um, wasn't very good at school because I spent too much time playing cricket and, and rugby league. But you know, I probably I couldn't have asked for a better childhood, mate. We were we didn't have a lot, but uh, all I remember was was the fun times. You know, the the neighbourhood kids getting together and, and doing the things that I just spoke about. Um, so yeah, wouldn't change it for anything. Your childhood was heavily linked with the Penrith Panthers, the whole Cartwright family. Where did the link begin? Uh, Dad, it's funny because I think now Jed's gone from Penrith. It's the first uh, decade since the 40s that it hasn't been a cut ride at Penrith. So wow. Dad was involved through the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, the, you know, myself, Dave and Cliff and Michael were involved through the 80s, 90s, 2000s. Bryce was there in 2010. Yep. Jed was there in the from 10 to 20. So probably the first year since the 40s that we haven't had a cut ride Um at Penrith, so thought about that on the way here. You know, it's it's a it's a pretty rare record, I would Amazing. think. That, um, but it's made it. It started with with Dad. You know, I was born in '65. Penrith came in in '67. Yep. Um, you know, I was I was the fourth child. Mum was busy raising the four kids, mm. um, so I was the lucky one. I, the other boys were at school, and my sister. So I got to go to work with Dad. Um, and they made my first memories ever uh, uh, roll around the floor on his office, um, sitting on the <laughs> <laughs> sitting on the tractor with him mowing the fields at Penrith Park. Uh, you know, going to the game, sliding down the hill on the cardboard, going to try and steal the corner post after the game. Yep. And you know, those days you could run on the field after the game, so you got to touch the players, and the, yeah. you know the players didn't mind that at all. They were, it was it was yeah, like I said, mate. I I, I had the Probably the perfect childhood for someone who loved rugby league. In the mid seventies, as a kid at Penrith, you would have wanted to have been tough and fast to get the corner post. You were, but um, unfortunately, mate, there wasn't a lot of people at the games then. They, they, <laughs> the Panthers struggled in the early years, um, and yeah, it was not not very often did I have to fight too much for to get the corner post. Nineteen eighty five, you played three first grade games after making your debut. A tall, gangly piece you were back then. What do you remember of that day, mate? I was, I was, I remember I was ninety kilograms ringing wet, so wow. I was the same height. So I'm, I end up playing most of my career about one hundred and 
six to 110, you know. So to say I was a string bean would, would put it uh, nicely, I suppose. Uh, I, I distinctly remember um, Tim Sheens calling me in on the Thursday night. I got a late call up. There was a midweek game on the Wednesday and we got a few injuries uh, and I got called out of the under-23s to, to play against North Sydney at Penrith Park. Um, and the thing I remember was that North Sydney pack had late name Steve Mayo, uh, Don oh, McKinnon yep. and Mark Graham, you know, and they they were one big side, North, yep. you know. So it it was uh, something that, uh, yeah, that was playing on my mind going into the game. I'd, mm. I'd never, you know, I'd, I'd had a, a half a year of under-23s, a couple of reserve grade games and, it was pretty young in them days to, to make your debut at, yeah. at 20 years of age, so um, nervous as hell. Um, but had a, oh, had a great coach in um, Tim Sheen. So uh, for any young fellow coming through uh, and had aspirations to, to play rugby league at the highest level, I couldn't yeah. think of a better coach. You know, He was very level-headed, very cool, very – uh, he he made sure he wouldn't have picked me if he didn't think I was mm. ready. He you know he oversaw the preparation of a lot of the young kids that you know went on to that ninety one premiership side. They all came through the care of Tim Sheens and he. Um, I remember he laced my boots up for me. I couldn't put the laces in my boots. I was shaking too much. So he, he really put, yeah hundred percent. He, he he laced my, my my boots up. Timmy was a was a funny character. He had. He always thought outside the square, you yeah. know. So, of course, I was a, a big, tall guy. He thought my ankles would be vulnerable, so he used to make me wear those big ankle boots. That oh um, yeah, so he that got, is old school. Yeah, he got Adidas to to send up a, a special pair of um, ankle boots. Um, so, if you wore them these days, I'm sure that, that, that <laughs> you, you'd, you'd cop a roasting from yeah. your mates, but. Uh, yeah, he, you know, he laced the boots up, um, and just having him around was yeah. It, it was probably just the comfort. I, you know, I was I was still nervous as hell, but he gave it was a comforting thought to know that he, he thought I'd done enough work to be there, and, and he wouldn't have picked me if I wasn't. A debut against a guy like Mark Graham, for me, the benchmark of toughness on and off the field, and I think a guy that doesn't get the recognition that he probably deserves all these years later. No, 100%. He, uh, probably because the, the poor old Bears struggled, you know, for yeah. whatever reason. They, they just they, they got close on occasions. Of it, but even before they got close, you know, they, they really struggled to make an impact yeah. in the competition, whether it was a cultural thing or, you know, I'm not sure. But whenever Mark Graham played for the New Zealanders, you know, that's, that's where he made his reputation. You know, he was uh, you know, one of the, the best forwards in the world. Oh, you know, yeah. He never let his, his country down. And he, you know, he, he would never let North Sydney down either. You know, mm. it was just sometimes you know you, you get a, you're at a club that gets a run like that, and it and it's really hard to break the mould. In '86, you became a regular. You scored your first try. It's 35 years later. Can you recall the try? '86. Uh, I think you got me, mate. I, I should remember that. I, I, like I'm a football nerd. It's, uh, um, 86. Timmy Sheens was coaching. Uh, no, you got me, mate. Was it Cronulla? I'm not sure. I, I uh, thought you would be able to – I thought every footballer would be able to remember I know, I'm surprised. I think first I re- try. I think I remember every other try I scored apart from that one. I know we beat Cronulla at, at Penrith by about 50 one day. I would have been disappointed if I didn't score yeah, a try out of that. It had been a really tough few years at Penrith, but the club was growing. It, it was progressing. Could you feel a – Certain momentum at the club, even though it didn't happen immediately. 
Uh, being young, you, you never really thought about it. You know, we, we, we had a good time there. Under Like Timmy took a side of, of pretty much no names but with, a, you know, a tough old head in Roy Simmons and, yep. a, and, a, and a, you know, a future star in Greg Alexander and just built the side around a, a, a willing bunch of locals, you know. Mm-hmm. He, he put a lot of faith into that. Um, and then uh, I suppose the first sign of it that I really felt it was was when Ron Willie came and they brought uh, Peter Kelly and Chris Mortimer to the yeah. club. You know, they we had you know, like I said, Royce was the most competitive and uh, probably the toughest individual I've ever I've ever seen. You know, I probably took him for granted a little bit because I knew him so well, and, yep. and I come through the you know come through my junior years with him, and I admired him. Don't get me wrong, but. When they brought Kelly and Mortimer in, the guys at Canterbury in, during my uh, from when I first started in the mid eighties, yeah. they were they were they just had an aura about them. Yeah. You know, they you know you talk about sides today, physically bashing sides. Canterbury used to win games strictly on the back of, and they prided themselves on bashing the shit out of you. That and, was the dogs of war, wasn't it? They were. You know, the, there was a game that uh, people used to always talk about. They played West on a Monday night and. They just totally annihilated them physically. You know, it was it was almost brutal in how they attacked the game. You know, and and uh, ended up winning by fifty odd nil. And people spoke about that game for years and years. I remember mm. sitting at home, you know, knowing you had to play Canterbury one day, going, "Oh my god!" You know that <laughs> that w- it was just a brutal assault. Yeah. Um, so to get Kelly and Mortimer on board, and they didn't accept losing. You know, like we. Probably there probably was a little bit of that about that at Penrith, you know, where because we'd struggled for so long. If yep. we got close, it was, and subconsciously you can you can sometimes think like that. But to add those two guys in, and you know, if we lost a game, um, you know, they 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 just got the shits, you know, and they, yeah. they, they they wouldn't wear it. And you know, when they came in '89, we um, sorry in '88, we were super competitive. You know, we were very unlucky in '88 not to go through. Yeah, we, it was a top five in them days, and. We got beaten a playoff, and the, the Tigers went on to make the grand final that year. Eighty nine, we went through to a uh, we come in the top three, um, and they were there in ninety when when we made the grand final. You know, so really critical signings in the in what shaped the club. You know, from being a side that was had potential but never really um, turned it into anything. You know, those two guys came right at the right time. We had a young group around us, and we learned a hell of a lot from them. The veterans are the benchmark. They set the standard, not only on the football field, more so on the training paddock. Peter Kelly, Chris Mortimer did that. Does that theory still hold weight? I, I think without doubt, mate. I, I, I think um, you know you can't put a price on experience, yep. uh, but I think you can put a price on inexperience. You know, I, I, you don't see many inexperienced sides consistently compete week to week and that means they struggle to play semi-final football. And if yeah. they do, they generally go out the back door. Yeah. You know, the senior guys are the ones, they're the glue that holds everything together when, when everything's going south. So uh, getting that, you know, getting off topic a bit, but just the balance of, of your roster and getting your salary cap right is so critical these days. You, you can, you can make, make just one little error, you know, it can really, really cost you at the, when the big games come around. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. 
Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. You became an integral part of the Panthers lineup. You were awarded in 89 with the Sky Blue jersey, your first one. How did you find out you'd made the side? Yeah, that's a story in itself, mate. We, we played uh, City Country on the Saturday at Newcastle. Yeah. And I was in the City first. So you had the City Origin and the City first. So I played yeah. in the City first and you played against the full country team, so all the boys from the country. And I only played half a game, but I come on, I, I, I had a, you know, don't mind saying, I had a really good game. Things yeah. went my way, you know. I just, I was in the right place. I, I, I set up a couple of tries and I, I was just. The boys, the country boys, were getting tired, you know, towards yeah. the end of the game, and I, and I really enjoyed the experience, and I, you know, I ended up having a, a, a pretty good game, and then we jumped on the Mark Guy and myself jumped on a three seater plane, would you believe, uh, to fly from Newcastle to the Gold Coast? We had to play the Gold Coast on the Sunday up here at the Seagull Stadium, so. We flew up on this little three-seater. I think it oh. took us two or three hours. And MG being the jokester, although he's trying to rock the plane and just do all sorts yeah, of – Yeah, not know, funny, Mark. No, no, it wasn't It, it wasn't uh, funny at the time, put it that way. But, that you know, that's MG all over. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we played – ended up playing the Gold Coast on the Sunday. And, and again, I, things – just in my zone at that, that weekend. I just, yep. you know, I had, had a good game. Again, we had a really big win. And, and uh, they picked the State of Origin team that night. and. We were waiting at the airport to go home, and Ross Gig, who was the secretary or the the football manager at the time, he yeah. he came and grabbed me at the airport, and he said, "Cardi, you've um you've been selected in the Origin team," and like yeah, that was an absolute pipe dream for me, you know. Yeah. To, to to make the city side was the proudest moment of my football career. You know, I've meant spent years watching city country games. Yeah. You know, over the years, my dad took me down to the Sydney Cricket Ground on occasions to watch it, and. That was, you know, that was the just the ultimate, you know, yeah. to, to make a, a yeah. representative team. It was it was huge in them days, um, and uh, and I looked at uh, Giggy and I, and I, th- I thought, mate, don't, this is not funny. If you're joking, you know, you don't don't do that to me. And I, and I still I didn't believe him at all. I just didn't think it possible to play City first off the bench and then get picked in a state of origin team. You know, just unheard of. Um, and then I got paged over the. Um, at the airport, they paged me to come and uh, had a phone call. So I went and took the phone call. It was my dad, and he said, "You know, like you've made you've made the Origin team." And it just you know hit me like a ton of bricks because yeah. I, I generally thought they would wind me up. You know, it yeah. wasn't like a wind up and saying, "Well, yeah, it, I actually had," but I'm saying it's a wind up. I was totally gobsmacked when I, when Dad told me that I was I was in the Origin team. So yeah, found out at Gold Coast Airport. Um, after the Seagulls game, and yeah, just the feel, yeah, it was just enormous. You know, I was, I was once I made the city team, I could have retired comfortably. You know, happy that I'd done it, and then to go another level, it was yeah, yeah, really surreal. Correct me if I'm wrong. Were you used a prop in the '89 Origin series? Yeah, I was. I I was on the bench initially, and somebody pulled out, and Jack said, "No, nah, we're going with this." We're not bringing someone in over the top. We're going with the 17 that's picked. So you're going into the team and we'll bring someone else and put them in on the bench, you know. So it was daunting, you know. I'd, I'd never played prop. and yeah. I, I, I was uh, – str- and there was, I think, from memory, six or seven of us making our debut, you know. We were a bit 
were thrown to the wolves a little bit, but um, and great experience, you know. You, you, after you, you, it's true what they say, you know. We was a bit of a, it was a different preparation for Origin that we had on a Jack was more stay at home in your own bed, you know. Yep. The, the the history of Origin is about you know getting together in camp and getting to know each other and you know trying to build seventeen guys that want to die for each other in yep. in ten days, you know. So Jack was more. A little bit different. He wanted you to be at home in your own bed, mm. come together. I think a couple of days before the game, flew to Brisbane, and uh, we ran out in the field. And mate, I'd, I'd never forget. Like it was just seriously like getting hit by a, a cyclone. You know the the noise of the crowd. It was the old Lang Park. You know, the, the, you had to walk in through the bar to get oh, to the dressing sheds. That and would have been were, brutal in oh, itself. It was you know then up Caxton Street, and they were you know throwing things at the bus, and the bus couldn't get through, and they were. Banging on the windows and doors, and you're going through the club was the bit I remember most. You know, you walk through the, <laughs> you walk through the the actual bar at the Lang Park, and it was humming. You know, and they'd been there all afternoon, and just you know, just the faces, and the, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't a G up hate. It was genuine hate. You know, yeah. they want, they wanted to kill you, and uh, it continued when we went on the field, the roar, the buzz, and they. I'd never played in a game that was that intense. You know, I've got to admit, I wasn't. I was prepared for a tough game and yep. and the toughest game I'd ever played, but I, ne- I just wasn't prepared for what they threw at us that night. It was different, you know. It was a different era, um, and in in them days, it wasn't. You know, you, you weren't as structured. You know, you didn't have your left and your right second yep. rower, and your you know in your middle core of forward. You you worked with each other. You know, if someone needed a spell, you you worked into the middle of the field. Yep. You know, it, it was it was more. Um, and origin in itself is just it's survival, you know. It, yeah, it really is just survival, and uh, you know th- that was that was. I don't think in some regards that's changed since since the first origin game. Through this period, you'd formed the most intimidating second row in the game. Mark Guy was your partner in crime. Could anyone actually control MG, or did anyone actually try? <laughs> no, when when the when the the. Uh, Switch got flicked. There's absolutely no control on MG in them days. Now, that's what made him the player he was. Yep. You know, he he was he was as skillful as any back rail going around. He could offload. He could break the line. He could pass the ball pre-line. Um, but the thing he had going for him, he, he was just intimidating. You yep. know, I, I remember some games that playing with him where you know you. You could actually just sit back and watch and just watch the fear in the in the eyes of the other team mm. and just watch him go away. You know, and it was. The best feeling because he was he whatever he, whether he for whatever reason he was in a bad mood yeah. he just took it out on the opposition and you know I, I generally saw you know sides just in fear of him you know he was on seek and destroy I'd be just sitting back sooling him on and picking up the crumbs. Could you egg him on and get him going? Uh, you had to be careful because he, he's, I bet. yeah he's got no filter you know so yeah. <laughs> you saw that Origin game uh, I watched it. <laughs> Before the last, I think during the week, you know, yeah. of that last origin, and he was just on a mission that day. You know, he was he, he yeah. You know, we were under pressure that game. We had to win. We lost the first one. We were favourites, and he just took it upon himself to put fear into the opposition side. But yeah, Queensland weren't a side that you could intimidate easily. Yeah. You know, they they just they just kept coming, but he just kept coming as well. That's that's why there was so much fireworks in that game. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of that night? It was game two, 1991, MG versus the King, MG versus the team and almost <laughs> MG versus the state in 80 minutes. 
Uh, it, well, it was great theatre, you know. Oh, yeah. I think, Jim, when you're watching a game, you, you, you walk away thinking, oh, that was that was a great game. But I think that one, you know, it, that's lasted the test of time because yep. it, it probably really was the last game that it could that could have been played in the 60s and 70s, yeah. that game. You know, it, it was brutal and, and – uh, and and again, and it came down to the you know a goal kick a minute before full time. I still feel sorry for Mick O'Connor on the wrong mm. side of the field for a right footer in the pouring rain under all that pressure, and he's almost a side note in history because everyone talks about MG and the King. Yeah, what well, and the condition of that ground was something you, you had to be there oh, to yeah. to believe. It, it it absolutely pelted down in buckets and sheets of rain like constantly for the whole game. And the, the 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 field like the fields these days handle it, but them days it was a, it was a mud. There was no grass in the fields. It was nah. all, all mud. Yeah. Uh, there was water line on the ground. How he kicked that goal? How he got the distance? Because I think it was the old ball too. Old, so old leather ball would have been like a brick off yeah. the boot, and he he nailed it. But it, I think that just added to the to the theatre of that game. It's not politically correct to say yes, but do you miss that type of footy? That Confrontation, that emotion, I do. Oh, definitely, mate. I, I it's, uh, you know, well, the fact that we, and I think anyone our era will remember that Origin game forever. Uh, yeah. I think the fact that we're, we're talking about it now, and, and I can remember it like it did happen yesterday, uh, is a, it's as a player, it's great to be involved with after it's over, but because it was so brutal. Mm. But, um, and then, you know, you've got to remember we had game three after that as well, which yeah. was a, you know, like you can imagine the build-up for that game after huge. You know, the, the, what happened in the game too. As a ball-playing second rower and one with such size, I don't think we'd seen something or a completer package as like you before. Where did the offload in the past come from? Was it natural? Was it worked on constantly? Were you constantly trying to figure out how to perfect it or did it just happen? Uh, a little bit of everything, mate. I, I, you know, I know we used to seriously we used to play in the in the backyard till till from school finish till uh, mum called us in. You know, probably on dark or the yep. night, and all the we had a pretty good sized yard, so all the neighbourhood kids used to come around. And uh, yeah, I was a massive uh, Arthur Beetson fan, so okay. you know, I, I just I was I suppose I was sort of tennis, you know, when when Arthur was at his best mm. and. and uh, so he was, yeah. He he had a, uh, an, you know, he was, he was a known for his offload. Yep. Um, so I think, yeah. You know, I've I always had coaches who encouraged me. You know, I, even though, even when it's um, important. Yeah, even when things didn't go so well. You know, with an offload, an offload, you can you can look, especially now. You know, like yeah, if someone drops a ball, if you dropped, if you if you put two offloads away. Sorry, if you put two offloads down and they're ordinary passes, you know, the, the crowd would be wanting to kick you off and the, the coach would probably yank you off the field, you know. If the guy catches them, you look like a genius. Oh, you're a superstar. It's a huge risk, yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah, we, we have become a bit like NFL that, in that way. Yeah. That, you know, everything's about possession. But I, I always had coaches, uh, even in through my junior years, um, you know, ball security wasn't a term then, you know. Yep. It wasn't – I don't think anyone even kept count, definitely at junior level. And when I, went, when I got to grade um, – you know, I had Graham Murray was a coach who really encouraged that style of play. Uh, Ron Willie was the big one. He he didn't he just told me to go out and offload the ball. He didn't he didn't free care. lane. And, Gee, that's nice. Yeah. And Phil Gould gave me some tools to to um, 
put myself in a position to be able to create offloads as well. Yep. You know, he just, he just made me think about my game a little bit more, and that created, a, um, as I say, you know, the position to, to come up with some more offloads. We hope you're enjoying John Cartwright, Penrith Pure. In part two, we talk Gus Gould, the 1991 Premiership, and the emotion of a club that went into self-destruct. Before you go, we'd love a five-star rating and review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. It helps us with the search engines as we look to expand the podcast. We hope you come back soon. Legends 